Good morning. The scripture reading is from Psalm 23, and if you are using the Bibles provided for you, you, sh you should find the passage on page 458. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your road and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Every time I give, oh, I am, I, I left it on, I guess. Every time I, I give announcements uh, and I sit down, I think, oh, I forgot that. So here's what I forgot. We do have a kitchen here. It's down the flight of stairs in the new entryway. Um, there are lots of outlets for crock pots. There are some refrigerators in there. Um, so if you're bringing food and you don't have a cooler or you need to keep something warm, please, you can use the kitchen. It's for our use as a church family. Now, before we go any further, <clears throat> it's important that we talk to the one who wants to speak to us and ask him to clear our minds of distractions and prepare our hearts to receive what he wants each one of us, including myself, to receive. So let us pray. Father, we just read that you, the Lord, you are the King, you are the Lord of hosts, you are our shepherd, and it's personal. And so we thank you for that. We are like sheep, we go astray and we turn every one of us to our own way. But thankfully, Father, you knew that that would happen. And before creation, you had a plan for rescue. And you had a perfect lamb prepared, and you had a good shepherd who would seek out and call the sheep that wandered and that would rescue the sheep. And so we thank you for that. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone in under the sound of my voice, whether on live stream or here present, that does not know the Good Shepherd, that you would help them to understand that you love them and that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was a perfect Lamb that came to take our sins on his own body on the cross and that he died, and that he rose again to have victory over sin and over death and over Satan, as was promised all the way back in the book of Genesis. So, Father, prepare our hearts as believers as well to be receptive to your word and not just to be hearers of your word, but, Father, 
And we need your help for this. Help us to be doers of your word as well. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. We are in a 10-week series on the names of God, and this is the name for this Sunday. Um, as has been mentioned, we cannot hope to cover all of the names of God in a 10-week series, so we are focusing on some things that help us to better understand our God, both his greatness and his goodness. And understanding, when it comes to our lives, in, in fact, just in everyday life, understanding is a beginning part for knowing. And knowing becomes the fundamental piece of the puzzle that helps us to have relationship. So, so for example, Rob and I uh, have an understanding about each other. We know some things about each other. And we also uh, know each other more deeply because we've had more conversations, more personal conversations. And that has helped us have a relationship, right? So that's, that's what the Good Shepherd is all about. It's not just about understanding some facts about the Good Shepherd, but rather it's about knowing the Good Shepherd, and that requires a relationship. It's more than just words. It's just more than, more than just agreeing to some, some facts that we might need to know. The Lord is my shepherd. The, the Lord is not just a good shepherd, but the Scriptures also say that he is the great shepherd. And so I want to explore, what does that mean? What does it mean that the Lord is my shepherd? The Lord Jesus is the true good shepherd, and our great shepherd. Now, um, I'm not a shepherd, and I know very little about sheep. Um, I like to eat mutton. I, I think lamb tastes good. Um, and I've had clothing made of the wool of sheep, so I, I see the, the value of the sheep. But I, uh, I, I've never been a shepherd. I've never led sheep. I don't know what they're like. Um, I was reading on the internet, you know, the internet's the source of all good knowledge and wisdom, um, and so I went to the internet, um, and I found a, a lady that gave me some insights into sheep, and I just want to share a few of them. They're not going to be necessarily surprising to you, but some of them were surprising to me. Uh, her name is Tammy Slater, and uh, she answered the question, do sheep know their shepherd's voice? And I think most of us recognize that that indeed is the case, that the sheep do know the, the shepherd's voice. But she expanded upon this. She said the sheep have excellent hearing and can distinguish between different voices and sounds. And they recognize faces. They can recognize the faces of other sheep and humans. So apparently studies have been done with facial recognition on the part of sheep somehow. You know, they couldn't talk to the sheep, but they, they probably showed flashcards and the sheep went, bah! You know, when they saw somebody they knew. They, they respond differently to different people, but they only follow the voice of their shepherd, and they will ignore the call of the stranger. Um, when the sheep hear the shepherd's voice, they flock together. I found that interesting. They, they know, okay, that's our shepherd. Guys and gals, let's get together and we're going to join together and follow 
this one shepherd that is calling us. They demonstrate their trust and recognition of the shepherd's leadership. Their, tend to, you know, their tendency is to kind of wander off and not uh, show good d- discernment, basically. But they're highly independent at birth. You know, some animals, and, and humans, of course, are high, highly dependent. Sheep are highly independent. Uh, I found that interesting because we, as sheep, tend to be highly independent. Um, sheep are also intelligent. You know, we think of pigs as being extremely brilliant. I'm not quite sure how brilliant a pig is, but they're, they're smarter than the average, you know, goat, probably. Um, but sheep are also prey animals. And sheep are not well suited for defending themselves from attack or from those that seek to do them harm. So as I was thinking about the things that I learned about the Good Shepherd, um, I crafted the following main idea. I know it's a little bit longer than the normal main idea. Forgive me for that, but I couldn't, I couldn't condense it any more than this. Following the Good Shepherd is the only way to life. In fact, Jesus said, I am the life. And the Good Shepherd tells us the truth, in fact, The Good Shepherd said, I am the truth. And therefore, listening to and trusting the shepherd is the key to abundant living. In fact, Jesus said, I am the way. So everything that Jesus said about himself is dependable, it's trustworthy. He is the source of truth. Another way to say this would be to say this, without a Good Shepherd, we will wander and will fail to make wise and beneficial decisions. And here's the problem. This leads to death. This leads to destruction. It leads to separation. We will wind up with our arch enemy in charge, the roaring lion named Satan. The good shepherd personally As I was reflecting about this, it dawned on me, and it's probably not an original thought. I didn't copy it from anywhere. The Good Shepherd personally fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. He came based on every truth that was proclaimed about Messiah, about the one who was to come. He personally fulfilled those things, and he often told his disciples this was done to fulfill the Scripture. When Peter was telling him, Lord, I don't think it's a good idea for you to be betrayed and crucified, Jesus said, "Uh, Peter, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You don't know the Scriptures as well as you need to know the Scriptures. So I got to thinking about life. Life. I've experienced enough of life to know that it doesn't always go as planned and it isn't always fun, and sometimes it can actually be less than uh, pain-free. I got, by the way, I got permission from Jason Schultz for one of these slides. Um, Whenever I mention somebody in in person, I like to at least check with them. I don't always do it. You know, sometimes I just assume that somebody will accept it. But since he's my son-in-law, I wanted to make doubly sure that he was okay with this. So what's the worst that can happen to you? There's actually a movie that starred uh, 
Martin Lawrence and Danny DeVito. I'm not sure if I watched, have ever watched it or not, but the, the title of the movie is What's the Worst That Could Happen? And it's a funny movie, apparently. Um, a rich man catches a thief burglarizing his home and steals the thief's lucky ring, who then tries to get it back. So uh, I've probably spoiled the plot for you, but hey, that's what that movie's about. There's also, when I was a teenager, I graduated from high school in 1969, so now you know I'm very old. Um, so when I graduated from um, high school in 1969, there was a song by the Brooklyn Bridge. Does that name ring a bell for anybody? Yeah, Michelle's nodding her head. She's, she's not as old as me, I don't think, but uh, she's got a rich history of the, the older songs. Um, they sang about the worst that could happen. And this poor guy, this lead singer, is singing about the fact that his girlfriend is marrying a different guy. That's the worst that could happen. I suppose maybe in his life that was. Actually, every time we face life, and we probably have faced a lot of things in our lives that weren't desirable, we've probably asked the question at many times, what's the worst that could happen? Um, and, and the end result of that is often way too many things that more than I can count are the worst things that could happen. And so what do we do? We worry. We're good at worrying. We're experts in worrying. In the uh, next seven slides, I want to give you 15 worst things. And some of these have happened to Cindy. Some of these have happened to me. Some of these have happened to you. Life can be very, very difficult. In fact, life under the sun, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, is very, very hard oftentimes. So let's, let's not uh, sugarcoat it. Life can be difficult. Now, on this next slide, you're going to see some angry geese and snakes. So some of the worst things that could happen are that you could get attacked by angry geese or you could be bitten by a poisonous snake. I'm not in favor of either one, but if I had to choose between the two, I'll say, let the ducks bite, or, or the geese bite, okay? That's, that's my preference, because I don't think geese are poisonous. Jason Schultz, when he's riding his bike and he encounters geese, is not very comfortable. Is that a fair statement, Jason? Yes, he does not like being attacked by geese. But that's not the worst that could happen. On the next slide, uh, there's a picture of a home burning or uh, a bankruptcy court sign. So some bad things that could happen are fire or tornado or earthquake or some other catastrophe or hurricane. We know we've got some folks in this congregation whose family live in Florida. You know, the worst can and does happen when it comes to home loss. Or perhaps the stock market crashes and your 401k becomes a 201K or a 101K, right? It just plummets. That, that's bad, but that's not the worst that could happen. What's the worst that could happen? Well, in addition to loss of home or ruin and poverty, there could be drought, there could be famine, there could be lack of food, there could, of course, be war. But 
That's not necessarily the worst that could happen. Those are some of the worst things. There's also crimes that are committed, burglary, murder, sex trafficking, child abuse, injuries from accidents. None of those are desirable, and I've experienced some of those, and I'm sure some of you have as well. And then, when it comes to our own personal, individual lives, there are things like toothaches, broken teeth, dementia, heart attack, brain cancer. The list is endless. Those are some of the worst things that can happen. And even more heartbreaking at times are rejections. Divorce, or even you're a student and you've applied for a scholarship and you're rejected. You've applied for a university position that you just really wanted to get into this university, into this program, you're rejected. So you see, the the list of the worst things that could happen is pretty long, which is, okay, so we should worry, right? There's there's the solution. We can worry. That'll fix everything. (laughs) Not. Not at all. Uh, But I've neglected the worst thing that could happen. The worst thing that could happen is that you would go to the place called Gehenna, where there's constant dying, there's constant torment, and you would beg, like the rich man did, for just a drop of water on the tip of the finger of the guy that you didn't care about when you were alive, Lazarus. And the pain and the separation and the aloneness and the darkness never ends. That, my friends, is the absolute, unending, worst thing that can happen. And that's why we need a good shepherd. Because the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And I just want to draw our attentions back to the passage that Volta read for us this morning in Psalm chapter 23, where the psalmist, and the psalmist is David, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he goes on to describe all the things that the shepherd does for him, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of those. But one of the things that just pops out to me is in verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is more than just about the externals, all those other things that we just looked at, all those other slides. This is about the really, really important thing about our lives, to have our souls restored by the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then to be led in paths of righteousness, which only the master good shepherd can do. Now, remember, I want you to... I want you to remember something about David, the guy that wrote this. This is the guy who lost his best friend, Jonathan, when Jonathan was a young man. This is the same David who lost more than one of his own children. This is the same David whose children openly rebelled against him and tried to take the throne away from him in a way that was totally unacceptable. This is the same David who made disastrous decisions about women. 
This is the same David who sent one of his prime military officers into battle to have him killed on purpose. That's the David that wrote this psalm. So we should read this again recognizing the man who wrote this knew the depth of his sin and the depth of pain and the depth of the agony and torment of life. And yet he wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And in fact, he says, you know, someday I'm going to die. This, this particular psalm is often read at a funeral. In fact, this past week, Jeremy read this at Tom and Jane Vaughn's, at Tom Vaughn's mom's funeral, Psalm 23. But this is about living, not just about dying. It says, indeed, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, the shepherd is active up to and through and past death. The shepherd doesn't leave you on your own. You don't have to worry about, I know it's easier to say that than to do it. You don't have to worry about today, and you don't have to worry about tomorrow, and you don't have to worry about a year from now, and you don't have to worry about your kids. You don't have to worry about your grandkids. Now, if you're ladies, some of you are going to do it anyway. I know that. I'm married to a lady. I know she, you know, she's concerned. Maybe she's not worried. She's concerned about certain things. But if we're honest, we all have those fears about the uncertainty certainty of life, and we have some tendencies to worry but the Lord is my shepherd. And if King David could say that, then I submit to you that you and I can say that too. If indeed he is our shepherd. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote the book of Romans, listed a whole bunch of things that can go wrong in this life. Romans 8 Verses 31 through 37, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to highlight a couple of things that he said. Um, Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer was nothing, nothing. He says, I'm sure neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, because our Lord is the good shepherd. He gave his life for the sheep. So the three main points this morning that I want us to focus on, these are the points that I focused on, so I'm asking you to focus on them with me. Number one, the shepherd is needed. Sheep that are astray need the shepherd. Sheep that are in danger need the shepherd. Sheep that tend to wander need the shepherd. Sheep that make bad choices and decisions need the shepherd. Sheep have limited vision. They need a shepherd. Number two, The shepherd is personal. 
and we'll explore this in more detail, but the sheep knows your name. And he calls you as someone who is loved. And he knows you where you are. And he knows how to find you. There is no corner of this globe where you can hide. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows your name. And thirdly, oh, and by the way, notice that the shepherd took really drastic steps to find you. He came here and put on flesh and said in Luke 19.10, I have come to seek, I've come to look, and to save the lost sheep. That was what was said after um, the conversation with Zacchaeus that JP included in the adult discipleship this morning. So let's look at that first point. The shepherd is needed. And there are a couple of things that I'm going to say very, very quickly here about what I'm going to say. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say, and then I'm going to tell you again what I'm going to say. So here's the, here's the thumbnail. Uh, we are foolishly independent. We follow bad shepherds. Uh, the worst bad shepherd is Satan. Oh, you are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do, um, apart from Christ. We can choose our own way. And, and there's multiple verses that tell us you can choose your own way. Um, but just be aware that when you do that, you wind up with death and total torment for all of eternity. And finally, sin has dominion. So we need a shepherd. So let's unpack that a little bit more. Sheep are foolishly independent. They don't really understand their needs. The need for somebody outside of myself. When, actually, when everything's going well, I don't need outside help. I'm good to go. Everything's copacetic. Everything's wonderful. I don't need outside help. In fact, outside help is considered to be um, overly protective and restrictive. If you're a, a teen, you probably think sometimes my parents are overly restrictive or protective. Well, actually, they're being good shepherds when they do that. Um, because most parents, at least the ones in this room, love their little ones, the little ones in their flock. And the grandparents love the little littler little people in their, in their flock of family. But we're very independent, and we say, I don't fence me in, don't tell me what to do, I'm going to do my own thing. That's the natural thing that the sheep do. I, I do that. If you're honest, you do it as well. Um, but you know what? In a way, children have a better perspective than most adults. Because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is made up of those who receive it like little children. He said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For like them is the kingdom of heaven. The people that come into the kingdom of heaven come in by faith and by trust. Children trust more readily. Foolish independence 
is, shall I say it, foolish. It's disaster. It's asking for nothing but trouble. And when Jesus was a teaching and they brought infants to him in Luke 18, verses 15 through 17, uh, they brought infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. And Jesus called them to him. He called the children. He called the mothers with infants to him. That's what a good shepherd does. He calls. And we need to listen. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for of such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The shepherd says this, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to protect yourself. You don't have to offer anything to me. All I ask is, come, trust me. I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to give my life for you. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul reminds Timothy that you've known some specific truths that were taught to you by your mother and your grandmother, and those scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So it's throughout the scriptures, the Gospel of John focuses on believe, 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 believe. Romans makes it clear, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Sheep don't bring anything to the shepherd, they just come to the shepherd, and they trust the shepherd, and they listen to the shepherd. And in fact, the psalmist in Psalm 119, the longest psalm in the, uh, New Test- or in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, uh, acknowledges this, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. In other words, the psalmist is saying, I'm trying desperately to, to know your commandments and keep your commandments, but even then, please, Lord, seek me, because I'm a sheep that's tends to go astray. I need a good shepherd. In Jeremiah 50, verse 6, and Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2, God says what he thinks about bad shepherds. God does not think highly of bad shepherds. In Jeremiah 50, verse 6, it says, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains from the Mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. So not only do we start out lost because of our sin, but then we've got people that want to take us further away. I am, I am angry when I see preachers take God's word and turn it on its head and make it say something it does not say. I'd like to get up and and just scream at those preachers for leading sheep astray. We need to be discerning about the people that we listen to. Here's what God says in Jeremiah 23, verses 1 and 2. And this, this is a reminder to me and to anyone that teaches. This is important. This is what God's word says. 
Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. God takes a very, 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 very dim view of bad shepherds. They will go into accounting for their teaching. And so as I prepare to preach, as I prepare to teach, and I know as others do, as Pastor Jeremy does, as JP did this morning, we attend carefully to what God has said. Thus says the Lord. That's what's important. Not thus says Wayne, not thus says Jeremy, not thus says JP. Only we are messengers. We take what has been given to us and we pass it on. It's also wrong-headed for the sheep to say things like, well, the devil made me do it, or it's not my fault. God heard that in Genesis, the first three chapters. Uh, but God, you see, the reason I did the wrong thing was the woman that you gave me. It's my wife's fault. She made me do it. And the woman, she's got a better case, actually, than Adam does. She says, the serpent made me do it. Essentially, that's the modern version of the devil made me do it. For you were like sheep that were strain. We need a good shepherd. Do you see how desperate our need is for a good shepherd? Because of our sin, because of the bad shepherds, because of all of the dangers that are around us in this life and in the life to come, we desperately need a good shepherd. Number two, the shepherd is personal. How can we know that he cares individually for me and for each of you? Well, the scriptures abound with examples that he does. Let me give you a few of them. When Jesus was here, he sought out individuals. Uh, this ties back to our discipleship class this morning. It was Jesus sought individuals. I'm, I'm just going to scratch the surface. The Samaritan woman. We disciples, we have to go through Samaria. The disciples are thinking, nobody does that. That's a bad idea, teacher. Jesus said, no, we must go through Samaria because there's a woman who's dying who needs a savior, who needs a good shepherd. She got excited when she met the good shepherd. She ran into town. She said, I, 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 I think I've met the Messiah. Come on out and see for yourselves. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> we talked about that in the discipleship hour. Jesus said to Zacchaeus personally. There's all kinds of people all around him. There probably were other tax collectors there. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. Got engaged personally, individually with Zacchaeus. He got engaged personally, individually with one of the thieves on the cross. 
This guy's dying. He's breathing his last breaths. The blood is oozing out from the wounds in his body. And Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise because you recognize that I am the good shepherd. I am the lamb giving my life for you. And after he had risen from the grave and ascended into heaven, the apostle Paul is doing everything he can to destroy the church and to destroy Christians. And Jesus personally reaches out by making him stop and acknowledge that Jesus was Lord and that you're fighting the good shepherd. And you know what Paul did with the balance of his life? He went out and spoke to individuals and to large groups to convince them and to communicate to them that there is a good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. There are 17 personal pronouns in Psalm 23. I spent quite a bit of time looking at the words my and I and me. There are four I's in the English. There are seven me's and there are six my's. Now let me just quickly tell you how I kind of parse these out. Here's the I. He is giving provision to me personally, to the I. He's protecting. He's encouraging. Fear no evil. There's relationship. You can be in my house. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On the way to church, I, I was listening to, um, I, I like to listen to Southern Gospel. I try not to listen to too much of it when Cindy's in the car because that's not her favorite kind of music. She's smiling right now. Um, but I was listening to Southern Gospel, and it, they were talking about heaven. And what a wonderful place that will be. That's the good shepherd that makes that possible. And the me's, there's rest for my soul. There's refreshing, there's leading, there's presence, there's comfort, there's sustenance, there's goodness, there's mercy. All of those me words talk about those things. And then there's the my words. He's my shepherd. It's my soul that he cares about. It's my cup that overflows. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. He's a good shepherd. And he's personal. He knows your name. How do I know that he knows your name? He said he knows your name. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. John 10, 3. He knows Wayne. That's amazing. There are billions. Listen, I got introduced to, it's Ralph, Roby, Tammy, is that, is, did I get that right? Okay, Ray, Ray. Um, I have a hard time remembering three people's names. He knows the names of millions of people and can call you by name. 
He loves you that much that he knows you by name. But it doesn't, it doesn't end there. It doesn't matter how far you have wandered when the shepherd, shepherd goes looking for you. Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 12. This is what the Lord God says. Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and rescue them, listen to this, from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. He said, there's no challenge too big for me to handle. I don't care where you are and how deep in the clouds and in the thick darkness you are, I'm the good shepherd, I'm gonna find you. We, we should take great comfort in that. When I was a little boy, I was in deep darkness. I went to a church where there were bad shepherds. They didn't tell me the truth. They, not once that I can recall was I ever told, Wayne, you're a sinner, and you deserve eternal judgment. And I, never once that I can recall did anybody ever say that Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, came and gave himself as a sacrifice for you. I heard lots of good Bible stories about David and Goliath and all that other stuff, you know, the, the, the fish thing with Jonah, all those stories. I heard those, okay? I don't think we... If we went to the New Testament, I don't recall it. It was like good stories. They were exciting stories that children would like. Those were bad shepherds. And as I've already mentioned, he became human so that we would know that he was really seeking to save lost sheep. At the conclusion of the story about Zacchaeus, it says, Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So that's number two. The shepherd is personal. Number three. The shepherd's abundance. We're going to go through this fairly quickly in the interest of time. Let me just give you some, um, some bullet points here. None of these are going to be necessarily new to you. The good shepherd searches for lost sheep. Isaiah 53, 6. We, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If you are a follower of the good shepherd, never forget that he is always looking for you and looking out for you and looking over you. He gathers the sheep. The sheep are not alone in the flock. He draws the sheep together to be together with him. Now this one, really, I just spent a lot of time thinking about this one. The good shepherd seeks the hurt damaged, unclean, rejected sheep. How do I know that's true? He was born in Bethlehem. That was not the place for royalty, royalty to be born in Jesus' day. And the very first people that heard about the good shepherd's arrival were shepherds. They were the outcasts. And then Jesus went to the prostitutes, the terrorists, the thieves, the religious fanatics, the tax collectors, the proud, the Pharisees, the lepers, the demon-possessed. He cared about the worst of what we would consider the worst of humanity. Nobody was too lost. Nobody was too far away. No one was so dead in their trespasses and sins that they could not be saved. And good news, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. 
The good shepherd changes the sheep to be more like him. The good shepherd gives peace like no others. And here's the really, really end of the story good news. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 16 and 17, this is what it says about the shepherd. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. Does that sound like Psalm 23? It should. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. Does that sound like Psalm 23? It should. For the Lamb, who is at the center of the throne, will shepherd them. And he will guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Do you know how you wipe tears out of the eyes of a child? That's not a crowd job. That's a one-to-one job. That's where somebody goes and wipes out the tears and comforts. That's what's going to happen in the kingdom with the shepherd. You're not just going to be just part of the crowd. He's still going to care about you individually by name. But you might object and say, well, my sins are many. They're, They're way too many. I'm unloved, I'm unlovely, I'm broken. I'm the person nobody wants. I got news for you. That's true of everybody. Everybody's there or has been there, and you need a good shepherd. So what's our response to the good shepherd? We sang earlier, I will sing of my Redeemer. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me on the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set who free? To set who free? Me. He set me free, which means if he's your shepherd, he came to set you free. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made him, and we are his We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He's got you. If you're his sheep, he's got you. And we're to make a joyful noise. And so in the next stanza of that song, it says, I will tell the wondrous story how my lost estate to save in his boundless love and mercy, he the ransom freely gave. Tell the wonderful story. That's what I desire to do. I I trust you do too. And then the next stanza. I will praise my dear Redeemer. His triumphant power I'll tell. How the victory he giveth over sin and death and hell. That's the good shepherd doing that for you, for the sheep. And finally, notice the personal pronouns in this part. Sing, oh sing of my Redeemer. My Redeemer. With his blood he purchased me on the cross he sealed my pardon paid the debt and made and made me free sing oh sing we have something to sing about now here's the main idea following the good shepherd is the only way to life life everlasting the good shepherd tells the truth Therefore, listening to and trusting and following the shepherd is the key to abundant living. 
There are some questions in the handout that I would encourage you to, to consider, perhaps discuss them in your small group. I'm not going to read them for you, but there is a question missing. After I published everything and you know, created handouts and all that stuff, there was a question missing. And the, the most important question is this. Am I trusting and following the Good Shepherd? That's the most important question. Those other questions, those come after answering that question. 